0: We are looking forward our way from Studio C in the 511 Studios. That's in the Brewery District just south of downtown Columbus, Ohio. Hi, this is Brett, and as always with me, Carol.
1: Hey, Brett, how's it going? All right.
0: You know, what's happening with local journalism is like peeling back layers on an onion. There's a lot going on. Uh, The once lively scene of community news is now fading away, and it's not just one thing causing it. We're talking about economic challenges, the march of technology, and the way people consume nowadays. The news all playing a part in this slow unraveling. This decline isn't just hurting newspapers and news channels. It's messing with the heart of our communities as well. Imagine the watchdogs of local issues having a hard time doing their job. That's what's going on. That's what's happening. The traditional role of keeping an eye on what matters to us is facing roadblocks. But there is a new initiative that's filling the void, Signal Ohio. And with us for this episode is Rita McNeil-Danish, the Chief Executive Officer of Signal Ohio. Thanks for joining us, Rita. Thank you, Brett. It's a pleasure to be here. Hello, Carol.
1: How are you? Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. This is this is a great opportunity. And um, this is a topic that Brett and I talk about a lot. We've brought other media folks mm-hmm. in, and we really know how necessary it is for our communities to have that watchdog looking out for our welfare. And so we really appreciate not only you coming in, but the work you're doing. So thank you. Well, thank you. Before we get to the who, what, when, where, and why of Signal Ohio, um, tell us a little bit about your background. I find it really interesting Mm -hmm. that your background's not in journalism.
2: It is not. And I actually usually start there because most people are so fascinated with the fact that I am not a journalist. Um, I call myself a recovering attorney. So I have practiced law for over. I usually say the true number, but, you know, the older you get, you kind of reduce the number. So we're just going to go with over 25 years. I've been practicing law Um, and I never majored in journalism. I actually majored in marketing, if you can imagine that. Um, I am born and raised in Chicago, Illinois, on the South Side, the daughter of E. Duke McNeil and Maurice McNeil, and that matters because that's part of the reason why I took this job. So, I grew up in a time in Chicago on the South Side where community mattered, mm-hmm. and everything was about community engagement. It was important that we were part of the solution and not the problem. It was very much an active civil rights time. My father was a civil rights lawyer and a criminal defense attorney, mm-hmm. and my mother, an educator. And so, I grew up up with um, the vision of doing greater good, of making a difference in your Mm -hmm. community Mm -hmm. and that impact. Uh, So fast forward to where we are today, Um, I practiced law for, as I say, over 25 years, doing a variety of public and private sector. A lot of my practice, though, was as a city attorney. So I did local government. And that was where I learned all things local mattered. So I was the city attorney for Dayton, Ohio. I was the city solicitor, which is also the city attorney for Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And I was also the city attorney in Greensboro, North Carolina. And so I had a specific passion for local government. You combine that with my community engagement growing up on the south side of Chicago. And here I am getting a message on LinkedIn that says, I know this isn't your lane, but would you be interested in this role? Mm -hmm. And I remember anybody who's heard me told this story, I said, hmm, maybe, Um, because it was the combination of what I say, civic engagement meets journalism. And in today's time, in this climate... We needed to move the needle and change where we were, and journalism is a key part of that. But the second part of it is that community and civic engagement. And so I did a variety of roles in my practice of law. Um, my last job was a partner at Taft, Stettinius & Hollister, mm-hmm. um, where I worked in both the Columbus office and Chicago offices. But here I am, 11
0: months into this job as CEO of Signal Ohio. I, I can't believe that you you came from North Carolina back up here. <laughs> We, yeah, we I, were, I'm hearing this geography, going North Carolina back here. What's 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 with you? <laughs> you know what? That's another
2: story for another day. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay, that's all I'm going to say sure yeah. to you. It's sure a story.
1: Yes, Brett and I were just talking about gloomy Columbus a little bit yeah. ago, and yeah. so it's like
0: wow. Yeah. Okay, but that's good. But, that's all right.
1: You <laughs> know, Rita, going back to that notion of that you said all things mm-hmm. lo- matter, local mm-hmm. matter, mm-hmm. which is huge. But also that whole idea of civic engagement. We've read a lot about Southside Chicago and civic engagement. My degrees are in sociology. Sociology started with Hull House, mm-hmm. which was out of Chicago, the first of the settlement homes. Um, and we had, in Columbus had a wonderful network of settlement homes here. And then suddenly, one by one, they were falling away. Mm-hmm. Um, that that notion of civic engagement is huge, but we're we're losing it. Mm-hmm. And, it, and when people are involved in civic engagement, the the geography is very small, mm-hmm. the issues are very large, mm-hmm. and so there's not really like a concerted effort across town to make it work. It, it's hard to do it when you've got a little tiny bit of geography, but your issues are huge that can't be taken care of in that little geography.
2: Correct, correct. Um, I think that we have to realize that uh, the news itself is what has discouraged civic engagement True. because what you've had is people decide to opt out. Hmm. And so they no longer want to listen to the news. They no longer, no longer want to see the news and they ne- no longer have a way or a vision to be part of the solution. So all they see is a problem and that problem Freezes them. And so they just kind of check out and say, if I can't fix this, I can't fix D.C., then what am I doing? How many people, especially our young folks, are saying, I don't vote because it's not going to make a difference. So that's where civic engagement comes in. If we can get people to receive good news and information and be fully informed to make good, solid decisions, then they decide then they want to re-engage. If they can trust the media, then they will re-engage. And then you will then have a result that people say, ah, I can be part of the solution. I can make a difference in my community. And... Regardless of what side you're on, I think that issue one was a classic example of it in practice. It was where people galvanized and Mm -hmm. not so much about the political issues. I think in November it was more about the political issues. But in August, it was about democracy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it was about what are you doing to my right to do something or are you taking something away from me civically?
1: I, I have to say, just having talking to my younger relatives and their friends I'm really proud of the fact they stood up and they all voted. Mm -hmm. I was almost afraid to ask them, like, did you vote? Mm -hmm. And they did. Mm -hmm. And they were talking to their friends about the issues and really trying to get the the points across. So – It's possible. It It is possible. It it makes you believe.
2: It makes you believe. And mm -hmm. if you can believe, then you can see it. Right. And then if you see it, you can achieve it. Right. So I think of it that way. Once you get more people believing that
0: it's doable and
2: it's possible, then they say, I want to be part of it, too.
1: Right. Right. Yeah.
0: So I was lucky enough to be in the audience during your recent Q&A session at the Columbus Foundation. It was an incredible luncheon. Everybody was glued listening and engaged. And if there was any talking, it was murmuring about what was being said. It's like, yeah, I agree with that, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, So I knew right then and there we had to have you on the podcast. So would you give us some background on how Signal Ohio began and why? Absolutely. So in 2022,
2: the American Journalism Project, we call them AJP, who is focused on nonprofit newsrooms across the country, started to have conversations in particular in Cleveland, Ohio, and Northeast Ohio about the news deserts that are in Ohio. Mm -hmm. I will deviate and tell you that Axios just issued a report about the number of news deserts that there are in Ohio. And it is remarkable to see the number Mm -hmm. of communities and cities that have no source of news. Um, So as a result of being aware of that, the Cleveland foundation partnered with the American journalism project to do a research, study to get some real data, to get some information about how are people receiving their news, how do they feel about the news, what about our news deserts, and what impact is it truly having in civic engagement in our democracy. And they did that study for a little over a year, and the results were remarkable. And and some of it is what I just shared with you, the number of news deserts, the number of people who no longer are receiving news, the importance of delivering news to people in a way that they're going to receive it. Um, I can probably safely say at this table, all of us remember the days where you receive the newspaper Mm -hmm. and today our young people do not Mm -hmm. receive a newspaper you know what I mean it's on the phone it's digital and so there were a lot of conversations about that and then there was a reality that there was a problem that needed to be fixed and as a result uh, they started to fundraise in Northeast Ohio to see if they could create what is now today Signal Ohio Um, we are different however than the way it used to be which is we are a network of newsrooms so there are a number of nonprofits Entities, But the struggle is real for them as it is for our legacy Mm -hmm. media. And so one of the things that AJP and the Cleveland Foundation also found out was that journalists who were trying to do the business at the same time, it was challenging. Mm -hmm. So they created what we now call a network. And the network is I have an entire business team. I have development team, finance folks, HR, ops, uh, myself, and we run the business for all the newsrooms. And then we will have newsrooms through. Throughout the state of Ohio. So we launched Signal Cleveland almost exactly a year ago in November. We are launching Signal Akron next Tuesday on December 5th. And then we will be making our way across the state, Columbus and Cincinnati. But we also know that we need to do something in the state house. And then we know we need to pay attention to Appalachia and our rural communities, Mm -hmm. because we realize even if you touch the urban cores, you're not going to make a difference if you don't get out into your rural areas where there actually is no news at all. Mm -hmm. And so. Uh, that's how it all evolved. They did the research. They decided that there was a need. They raised the dollars. And then we launched Signal Cleveland. and Now we're launching Signal Akron.
0: Did that research show a different reception of news um, depending on where you lived? Uh, how to deliver that news to that person. Like you mentioned, the Appalachia, Ohio area, do they get their news differently or want their news differently I, than we do in an urban setting?
2: So I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it is different based upon rural versus okay. urban, but I might say it's genera- generationally different, okay. if you will. Okay. Um, but I will say that the reason we do community-based journalism newsrooms, if you will, is because it's focused on the community. So the example I give is Cleveland, Northeast Ohio, has an illiteracy issue. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, We can provide you with the news, but if you can't read it, you're not receiving it. So one of the things that we do in Signal Cleveland on the website is you can go to the website and have a story read to you instead of you having to read the story Mm -hmm. because we're trying to deliver the news to you in a way that you can receive it. Uh, We also have public forums. We have forums. We go to a community uh, entity or we actually go to a church and we have community meetings where people can come out and get information so that they don't have to read it, but they're receiving Mm -hmm. the same information Mm -hmm. of the key issues issues that are important to our community. And so we're doing a number of things to make sure that we're delivering the news in a way that people will receive it. And of course, we're doing SMS. Uh, We did a a project, a test project in Central Community in Cleveland. We are expanding that because for all of us, we always have our phone in our hand and we're always getting the alerts. And so we know we need to receive and send that news by SMS so that all people are receiving it as well.
1: So, So I understand correctly when you're saying that you're creating a news team. Yes. That's not an established group that's already exists through another media. This no. is under Signal Ohio.
2: This is all under Signal okay. Ohio. So uh, Signal Cleveland has 19. 19- in its newsroom Beautiful. we have three man. we have an editor-in-chief and two managing editors and then we have a staff of reporters
1: that's a big group
2: that is a big group it's back to the days of it's a real newsroom right. um, with beats we have beats like education health uh, public safety government accountability in Akron we have arts and business so we have real beats and reporters assigned to those beats in Akron we have a smaller group we will have 11 in that newsroom
1: still a good good that, size. As
2: compared to some of our media today, that's actually very large. right? And so we actually go through the process of hiring an editor-in-chief, hiring the managing editors, and hiring reporters. And we we recruit them, we hire them, and they become part of the Signal team.
1: I I love this idea that your news people do not have to worry about the work part of the organization because there Mm -hmm. are writers that we've seen through our local papers Mm -hmm. here who— you know, started out as great writers and they're really digging into stories and everything. And then suddenly they have more responsibility and mm-hmm. more responsibility and it becomes less and less of their writing and more and more of their, um, what they can do to get more sales and get more subscriptions and that kind of thing. And you, you're losing that vital talent.
2: Absolutely. And you're losing sight because you're Mm -hmm. caught up in the business while you're trying to do the business, Mm -hmm. if you will. And so they the reality is our system is set up so that my team worries about all the business aspects and all the newsrooms have to do is the news. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's I'm often reminding my editors in chief say, I want you to focus on the news. We I have a chief audience officer. Her responsibility is to focus on the numbers and the data and who are we reaching, who aren't we reaching, and how mm-hmm. do we reach more people so that the newsroom doesn't have to worry about that except from a perspective is we are community-based journalism, so we want to make sure we're delivering right. the news that community wants to hear. Right. And so instead of the top-down, we tell you what's important, we are driven by what
0: the community says is important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say the content should take care of it then. Yes. Uh, it, 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 it takes care a, of itself. In a perfect world. Yes. yes exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Okay.
1: So we've discussed this notion of you having a newsroom in every major city. Yes. Cleveland, Akron, Columbus, hopefully Cincinnati or not too far behind. Tell us the makeup of those newsrooms.
2: You mean geographic? I mean uh, uh,
1: that how it's structured. How what it, what's going on in the newsroom, and how are those folks doing their work?
2: Okay, so um, as I shared with you, there's an editor in chief, and then there's two managing editors. Um, one of the managing editors is the community journalism director, and he is responsible for our documenters program. And then we have reporters who are assigned to beats or responsibilities. So, for example, in Cleveland, we have two education reporters: one's K through 12, and one's higher ed. Uh, because, as you know, in the Northeast Ohio region, there are a number of universities, um, even some city colleges, but there's a number of educational um, institutions there. Uh, then we have the health. We have the government accountability, the person who's assigned to City Hall. Uh, and then we have uh, we try to cover a little bit of community slash business. Um, and they don't always like that. You have things like entrepreneurial um, things that you want to cover. Um, we have, a we've done health series where some people call that um, health. Some people call it public safety, but we did a lead series uh, around lead poisoning in housing. Mm-hmm. And so each reporter is assigned a beat or an area of responsibility. And sometimes there's a little overlap. And then the editors have assignments as they relate to the particular reporters. We try to separate out our community engagement, that community-based journalism from that, what we kind of call Big J journalism, so that we make sure that we're capturing all of it. We're capturing news, but we're also capturing those things that are important to our communities. And
0: and, and you brought up too, during this session, uh, which I was I'd loved what you call documenters. Yes. And, and you mentioned, and just referenced that a little bit here. Talk about these documenters. I mean, I almost, i look at that as a grassroots and another level of grassroots. I love this idea. I love the documenters.
2: And so the documenters is a program that was designed by city bureau, which is out of Chicago. Okay. And uh, we have incorporated documenters as part of each of our newsrooms. And so documenters are everyday citizens, everyday people who are paid to, cover government meetings. And they go through a training and then they are given a form and then they will give us get assignment to go to a particular government meeting. So whether it's a city council meeting, whether it's a county commission meeting, whether it's a school board meeting or even a zoning board meeting, you now have that coverage. And so I say to a lot of people, I remember my days as a city attorney, you would see reporters there all the time. Mm -hmm. I would talk to reporters all the time. Nowadays, you don't see anybody. Mm -hmm. And so what you have now is those documenters creating that government account accountability, reporting out what's going on at the time. They actually do tweeting from the meetings, um, and then they document, if you will, what goes on. And then they take that to their editor, and then the editor either decides whether it's a story they'll place on the website, or alternatively, is it a story that a reporter wants to track down even further? Mm -hmm. So for example, in Cleveland, uh, the documenters were attending a city council meeting in Cleveland, and they kept seeing this agenda item around casino revenue. And if you all remember when the casino was established, they talked about where the money would go. It would go to schools and it would go to community revitalization. And they kept following these entries about casino revenue. And so they started to dig in and they took it to the community journalism director, the managing editor hands was that. And he said, I think we have a story here. And they assigned it to a reporter and they started digging into the records and digging into those entries that were on the agenda. Well, it turned out I'm not going to say that the money wasn't going where it was supposed to be going. But what I am happy to say is the money has now been redirected to the community revitalization. And that was a combination of the documenters noticed it on the agenda and took it to the reporter. And then it became a full fledged story. And so the documenters are amazing people who just come from the community who are paid and paid pretty decently, like $16 to $18 an hour to attend these meetings and document what occurs. What I say, though, is it is a gift that keeps on giving because not only do you have these meetings being covered and being documented and shared, you also have individuals who otherwise would not have engaged in this system now caring about what goes on in the government. Mm -hmm. And probably prior to this time, they didn't know it. They didn't understand it. And were probably intimidated by it. Mm -hmm. And now imagine they understand what's an emergency, what's a resolution, Mm -hmm. what's an ordinance. But even more than that, they are sharing that with their friends and family. Right. They are beginning to trust media. They are beginning to trust the news, and they know what good news is. And as they share that with their friends and family, we then get that reengagement. Right. We then get that civic engagement. And then you have people who are no longer intimidated or checked out from the system who want to then reengage.
1: You know, you when, when you think about it, the hardest thing that we are dealing with right now is not just that people don't vote, but we don't have an educated electorate. Correct. Correct. And talk about an, a great opportunity to actually learn how government works because it's complicated.
2: It is complicated. It is very complicated. Even for a lawyer, I remember when I first started in local government, it is not easy to understand. Right. So imagine all of a sudden that people are being elevated to a level of understanding and they're no longer threatened by the process. And so
0: right. they're all in. Um, I just love it. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, and talk about bringing another level of accountability that just because you have a media representative in the meeting—it it sets a different tone.
2: Well, we all say, "What do we say?" Politicians behave better when other people are watching. Oh
1: yes, right.
2: oh yes. So,
1: so imagine.
2: Absolutely. So imagine that. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it's amazing. And so when we, you know, think about Columbus. Whether it's Hilltop or Linden, mm-hmm. we could then be employing individuals, um, mm-hmm. getting them engaged, and making them part of our solution.
0: Well, I mean, in going to that, the dispatch had, uh, this has been a couple of years ago, though, I guess, you know, the ruling really local community, they, they, were, they embedded themselves for like a two or three weeks. And the local community loved it. Mm-hmm. But I, I was looking at going, this isn't going to last forever. Right. So they have reporters at the local library for two to three weeks really focusing on it's like. Take advantage of all you can because it didn't get, you know, that was kind of the forefront before they lost their weekly newspapers yeah. Right. or oh. right after, is it about that turn. Mm-hmm. And again, this is not poking bad at the dispatch, no. but it, but it's the reality of, great, you, you, you're embedding a, a reporter there for three weeks. Big deal. Right. Honestly, big deal.
1: But also, um, I've talked to folks who are in higher ed teaching journalism students, mm-hmm. and And I I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but it was a a former uh, adjunct faculty in one of the journalism schools. And the problem is, is students don't want to be journalists. They may be getting a degree, but they want to do social media. And they don't understand what it is to actually be a journalist looking at an issue, finding out all the details, looking at the pros and cons, talking to people they 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 just want to tweet something mm. literally just tweet it and yeah. a, a a comment a bite of information and and this would be a great opportunity for young people to actually learn the system,
2: absolutely, it is a wonderful opportunity. In fact, in Signal Akron, some of our documenters actually are at the universities, right, and are oh, actually I was students. Say, that makes perfect, like even Research. an internship almost. Or so. Oh, absolutely, and, and yeah. we actually have an intern and a fellow. Wow, um, yeah. from Kent State. Uh, so yes, it, it creates a pipeline opportunity. It creates an opportunity for people to get excited, um, and I think it revitalizes the interest in journalism because I think uh, to date. People have chosen to do something different in journalism because they felt like there was no pathway. Mm-hmm. There was no uh, pathway
0: to success. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So what you're describing, and it, this rolled in my mind during this luncheon as well, to you sound very much like public radio. Okay. To a certain degree, yes. because of the grassroots, of the, the, the public in, in involvement, at least how public radio began mm-hmm. g- decades ago okay. you know, with that concept. So okay. how are you setting yourself apart from local public radio stations? And, and I mean, what type of working relationships do you have with them and maybe other media outlets as well? OK, thanks for that question, because it's a great question. So I start with the premise that we
2: always say we are not competing with anybody. Our desire is to create an ecosystem of good news and information. We want to be your source for that good news and information, but we're not necessarily competing with anybody. But when you think about public radio, we distinguish ourselves by saying we are community-based journalism and we are targeting the underserved. And so the reality or the example I say is pick your community in your particular city. Here in Columbus, again, I would reference Hilltop Mm -hmm. or Linden. Do they even know what NPR is? And have they ever listened to NPR? And so the yeah. reality is they have a different target audience. They have a different group they're reaching. So we want to make sure that we reach the masses, of course, but we want to also make sure we are definitely reaching the okay. underserved who weren't receiving that news here to date because we want to make sure that everybody can make good, informed decisions. Mm-hmm. And the only way you do that is with good news and information. So we think we are part of the whole ecosystem, but we specifically make sure that we are reaching the underserved and those who either resent the news, previously felt like they were the target of the news or don't trust it at all
0: and the way you're describing where you're covering it definitely there is no public media or a media outlet that's covering it like you are correct there there, there isn't so i mean right there's the differentiator mm-hmm. but i could see where they, they it can be kind of a gray oh, area i absolutely can see yeah. and it,
2: it's driven by your your audience um but what i i'd also say is we have no paywall so when you go to our website, if you go to SignalCleveland.org, if you go to SignalAkron.org, um, you don't have to pay to read our stories. It's free. As a result, any other media outlet can republish our stories mm-hmm. for free. And so what we think is we're actually just sharing news. We are creating an opportunity to use our resources for the benefit of everybody. So anybody could take our stories and then republish them, even if they only have one person in their newsroom. Mm-hmm. So we actually think that we're benefiting the broader ecosystem
0: by doing it that way as well. And you have a. Word. Working relationship with them and at least give you credit. So we hope that
2: oftentimes yeah. they will give us credit. Yeah. Um, and so you talked about partnerships. We are developing a number of partnerships with both TV stations, radio stations and public radio. Um, you know, in Columbus, as I've shared, we are just getting started. I had some conversations in Cleveland with their public radio station idea stream. How do we partner? Recognizing our audiences are different, but we have the same goal. So how do we get together and do that? We are working with WVU. We have a day where we just do our stories. We talk about our highlighted stories. Um, and with TV, we're doing something similar. So we're hoping to replicate that across the state as well, keeping those partnerships. Because the truth is, you're just republishing. So there's a benefit if we're doing the heavy lift and you get to push it out to your audience. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense, Carol?
1: Yes. Yes, I'm I'm taking this all in. Brett Brett already heard this, your speech, and knows more than I am. So I'm just sitting here thinking, now, why didn't – you know, I grew up in Linden. Why didn't we have this Mm -hmm. level of civic engagement when I was growing up? At that point in time, nobody read the newspaper only because they didn't want to see what the dispatch was writing at the time, (laughs) which is different than it is now. But um, it was – we could get a newspaper – Print form where I live now in Delaware County, you can't get a print newspaper, a a newspaper print form because there aren't enough people to deliver it. I was going to say, or you don't get it on time.
2: Oh, by the time you get it, the news is old. Um, Right. Yeah. I would say, though, um, part of the fact that we are a nonprofit is part of a movement. So mm-hmm. philanthropy came together and made a decision that in order to reignite that civic engagement, to impact our democracy, to make a difference, they needed to invest in nonprofit news, mm-hmm. that that news is at the core of all the things that we've talked about. And so if the prior model is not successful, that that was for profit based upon ads, then you had to have a way to launch the nonprofit newsroom so that they would be stable. And so our model is such that We start out heavy on philanthropy. So a big portion of our budget is from philanthropic dollars. But that gives us three years because usually the grant cycle is three years to then build up a base of major donors of membership subscribers, which is free, but individuals like Public Radio who say, I am invested in your success, and so I'm willing to contribute. Mm -hmm. And then we do a little bit of ad and sales, um, so we have that. And then the hope is that philanthropy becomes a smaller portion, but that we have the multi-stream revenue um, coming in to sustain us.
1: Okay. I'm going to go back a second too with a question. I I just thought of something with something you, you mentioned earlier. When you were looking at method of delivery of information yes. and that sometimes you have to read it mm-hmm. as opposed to show it on a on a computer screen, um, how, is that easy to get to that reading? For instance, I have a good friend in Cleveland who is legally blind. Yes. And even difficulty reading off of a computer screen. So that would be available to her? Yes, it would be. Wonderful. Yes, it would oh, be. She's going to be real excited.
2: <laughs> in addition to, you were talking about, we have library hours. So the editor-in-chief does library hours that people can just come to the team from the newsroom, talk about the issues that matter to them, ask them questions or give feedback. Uh, in addition to the public forums where you can get word about a public forum and show up and say, I don't really have to read the news. I can hear about it in this public forum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then something else we do that's really cool. It's one of my favorites just because I have uh, fond memories as a little girl is we do comics sometimes to communicate stories. And so we did a comic to communicate a story about racial discrimination um, and housing. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, you have a right and that you should not be rejected simply based upon um, your color or or other things. And so we did a comic to do that. And remember the days, I remember the days as a little girl when I couldn't wait to get the newspaper because the first thing I would grab is the comic. Oh, absolutely. Because that spoke to me. So that's speaking to me while the news was speaking to my parents. But imagine that. So we're using comics as well.
1: Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, the impact of not having local journalists covering local news is crucial. We've had this conversation with a a newspaper in Eastern Ohio that was going to get sold to a conglomerate mm-hmm. until the owner talked to one of his former uh, she I think was, she was a, an editor. She was right? uh, not that I she was actually uh, an intern and then maybe a reporter. Yes,
0: okay. yeah, I anyway. become a
1: school teacher. Yeah. And basically, called her and said, if you don't buy the newspaper, I'm selling it to this conglomerate. Okay. She and her husband went out on a limb and bought this local newspaper. Um, it, it, and it was a way for her to save her community, okay. not just the, the newspaper itself. Yeah. Um, but once these weekly newspapers stop printing or daily newspapers reduce the number of journalists, the number of times they print— Um, just then does the community realize what they've lost? Yes. You know, we don't, we don't understand our gifts while we have them. Um, how are you getting feedback from the local community about Signal Ohio's coverage of the news? What, what is influencing your decisions from what you're hearing? Mm -hmm. Um, what, what, what are people asking for?
2: Uh, well, one, I think it will differ from city to city. Um, I can tell you, having been in both Cleveland and Akron and spent a great deal of time, what Akron needs and wants is very different from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very fascinating yeah. experience. And having lived in Columbus and Cincinnati, I expect that it will be equally as different in terms of what's important. So, for example, Akron is very focused on the arts. They're very focused on uh their emerging business community, you know, recovering from the days of rubber and the transition and, and figuring out a way to revive their community. And so they care about business. They care about small businesses. Um, they care about the arts and they really care about what's going on in their community. Mm-hmm. And, and, But they also have a police oversight issue that is very prominent for them. So those things are like upfront Mm -hmm. and important to them. In Cleveland, they're very focused on City Hall. They're very focused on Mayor Bibb. They're very focused on the hospitals because you've got the Cleveland Clinic and the Metro Mm -hmm. Health Systems. So there's a lot of attention on that. And then you have the disparity from the east side to the west side, Mm -hmm. which is its own set of issues in Cleveland, and trying to cover both of those from the west side market to the central community. Just a little Different, much bigger community. And so, what we do is one, the research informs um, what's important to the community. So, when we did the research, we also did community listening. And we did focus groups and we heard from the community what's important to them. How do you want to receive your news and what do you want to hear about? Mm -hmm. Um, And that was Northeast Ohio. So that was both Cleveland and Akron. So we had that information. But we also continue the cycle of doing surveys. Um, As I shared with you, the office hours. Uh, In our newsletter, we ask. We want to hear from you. Give us some feedback. How are we doing? What's important? And then, of course, we also track the data and the numbers. Uh, That's obvious. We're looking at what resonates. And so one of the things that we did uh, in August with Issue 1 and then in November with Issue 1 and 2, we don't tell you what to think. But what we did do was explainers. And so we did explainers for both Issue 1 and Issue 2. We had some of our greatest, highest number readership just because we Mm -hmm. explained to people, what is issue one this time? And in November, what's the difference in issue one? And then uh, issue two, what is it going to mean for our state? How is it going to happen? What's going to impact us? Um, And even the question of what's the legislature going to do? Because, you know, issue one was very different from issue two and how the legislature could respond. And so we were just giving information and that just seemed to resonate with people. So we try to be driven by that
1: and that answers another follow-up question i wanted to ask you the your your teams are very much locally um focused yes. for news but you've also got some statewide issues yes and so how who can anybody be covering that or is that the newsrooms work that out themselves.
2: The newsrooms work that out themselves until such time that we have a statehouse newsroom. Ah, uh, fingers there crossed. There you go. There um, you go. Okay. We desperately, really want that statehouse newsroom, and I think you know it's seen we, we it's proven itself to be very important. Mm-hmm. We've seen how important it's going to be to have one. But right now, some of our senior reporters, um, the managing editors, they work with key reporters to put out that statewide information. Yes. Um, and next year will be even more fascinating because you're going to have to report. On some of those major election issues that mm-hmm. are coming out well, and gerrymandering,
1: yes. Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, that's how they did. They decided internally. There are lots of group meetings, lots of team meetings, um, talking about what do we want to run, what stories are important, what do you have, what are we running with, um, who's going to cover it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Are you looking at? Well, since you had such success in regards to these these open forms of talking about issues, mm-hmm. um, are you looking at it from this from the standpoint of exploring? More issues on the ballot, more on a local focus, that sort of thing, as well as debates with politicians?
2: So uh, that's an interesting question. We absolutely are
0: looking at focusing on local. So I will tell you um, – Because there's always something on the ballot that yes. you don't know how important it is. Yes, Yes. That it, it's like, oh that makes sense, but it's like, wait a minute, maybe that's not a good thing to back because it's do- What what is the fallout? Right. Or so often
2: people just don't understand. I mean, you know how you go into that voting booth and it's all those words and I'm a lawyer and I'm like, Jesus,
0: this is a lie. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well it is. yeah. And you know? what you read is different than what's on the ballot.
2: Correct. Or what you heard. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Yes. Uh, so um so we do focus on those local issues. So I will say again, using Cleveland as the example, they were focused on their local local judicial races.
0: Yeah. Oh uh, uh, my gosh, yes. They were no so important. No one, one pays you,
2: attention. Who knows about judges? Right. Where do you find out about judges? Right. Exactly. And they're just going with random names. But we yeah. want to make sure that you understand who these people are. Yeah. So one of the issues that is big in Cleveland is bindovers. And that bindovers is where you're trying a juvenile as an adult. Mm-hmm. Well, what is it doing to your African-American male population? And yes. so they were talking and and informing people about judges' records and what are their issues, even though judges are not supposed to be political, but every now yeah. and then, yeah, well, okay,
0: it's turning that though because uh, it, from what I'm hearing too that it's it's they're they're I think they're going to force judges to go red blue. Well, I think just they're putting the, really on Supreme think. Court. They're yeah. now putting the
2: R and the D next yeah. to them. So, so. They, are, they are politicizing it
0: naturally. Yeah,
2: but, yeah, exactly. Right. But, yeah. I
0: mean, yeah. Neither here nor there. Ne- right. but, but that still doesn't tell you a thing. No, it does not. It's red or D. It, it does doesn't
2: not. tell you a thing. About it doesn't. That. It doesn't. Yeah. And it, it it encourages us to be polarized mm-hmm. because then yes. you decide, well, I'm not voting for the Republican or I'm not voting for the Democrat instead of voting on the people and the issues and whether they're a good judge well, or whether
0: they're a good politician. And what's scary is that it's going down all the way to. Encouraging or looking at school board members, what so yes. are an R and A D? Yes, and and to me, that's where Signal Ohio. If that if that comes to fruition, talk about a huge need to explore where these people stand.
2: Or even more than, let's talk about the levy. Yeah. Let's talk about yeah. the multiple levies and let's dig into um, just pure information. What was done with the money? Why do you need the money? And what's mm-hmm. going to be done yeah. with the money oh, in the our, future?
1: Do our do our high schools have to look like college campuses? Yeah, in Delaware County, that's all we have. Our college, little mini college campuses. Okay, okay. so yeah. that oh, yeah. and that brings another question. I'm going no, off on. No, no. We told you we'd go off on these tangents. <laughs> so when you were looking at Akron, um, did was there a difference between the city of Akron and the rest of the county and the the contiguous counties? Because in Central Ohio, Columbus and is very different from Franklin okay. County as a whole, which is hugely different from the contiguous counties.
2: Uh, So let me say in Akron, we consider the city of Akron and Summit County, Uh, but we probably stop at the county line Mm -hmm. um, for the purposes of the work that we're doing. Even though I I will say um, you've got Hudson, which is very different Mm -hmm. from Akron, Mm -hmm. if you know that region, Mm -hmm. Um, but our goal is to be able to get to that county line and serve all the citizens of Summit County. Cleveland, you know, they have the inner ring and the outer ring and the east side and the west side. And our goal is to capture the inner core. So that's the inner core of the city, both east side and west side, and then move to the inner rings and then move to the outer rings as long as we're in Cuyahoga County. So we're hoping that you got Cuyahoga County meets the line of summit and that Akron will pick it up. But that doesn't mean that from time to time there may not be a little there may be a little bit of overlap. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But We don't really deal with the contiguous municipalities outside of the county. Um, So we, a lot of people ask, so Signal Akron, are we doing Canton? Well, right now we're not doing Canton. I'm not going to say we're not, um, but right now we're not. And so we want to be judicious and smart about our expansion not to expand too quickly, Mm -hmm. make sure that we have a support base and we can do it successfully. Um, But I will say in Cleveland, we're having conversations in Lorraine. um, And Lorraine may not have its own newsroom, but it would be the Lorraine Bureau Mm -hmm. so that we're reaching it. So to answer your question, it's kind of Mm -hmm. right now we're doing the crawling before we walk. We don't want to run too fast, Mm -hmm. but we are continuing to have conversations as we do little bits of expansion.
1: Because there are some really um interesting hotbeds of news yes <laughs> in central ohio yeah. i live in one in delaware and just think about what intel is going to bring to licking county correct correct oh, it'll be it'll be huge
2: it right. it would
0: be really interesting and it will be huge um so yes yeah. mm-hmm. you've got video podcast and of course the website documenting the news mm-hmm. not to mention all the social media outlets how do all these work together for you
2: they I was going to say they work together for good. Um, <laughs> of,
0: of course, of course, that's the goal. Yeah, exactly. But but it's that—that's
1: a every, good soundbite. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: I get it, every one of those have a different audience. Yes, they do to a certain degree, and a different purpose to use them. And I guess I, I was looking at it from the standpoint: how do you make it all work?
2: We really tried to be intentional on identifying the stories that need to be sent out in a particular way, okay. and so. Uh, we are trying to incorporate incorporate way more video in what we're doing um, to make sure that we're reaching a broader audience. Uh, but I would also say, like I said, the documenters they tweet, so that's our social media. Yeah. We're trying to use more of social media to get certain stories out that we think that will appeal to those who are interested in social media at so, the moment. At as the well moment, too. Yes. yes. So we're like yeah. so again going back to political issues. Mm-hmm. That's something you want to put out broadly as broadly mm-hmm. as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. So. I have to give credit to the editor in chief and her team because they make those decisions and they bring them together and they try to figure out what is the best move we make with regard to this particular story at this particular mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. okay.
1: We are so glad you are here with us today. Well, thank and, you. And we plan to get this out on you know on our website and and on our social media. What other avenues are you using to get information out about um, Signal Ohio? Because as I mentioned, I sent this to my friends all around the state and they're like, oh, wow, let us know. This is exciting.
2: Well, you know, there's the reality that uh, I always say to people, I'm raising dollars and I'm raising awareness. I'm trying to do them both. Mm-hmm. And so we do it any way we possibly can, to be honest. We are using LinkedIn. So we have a Signal Ohio LinkedIn page. Signal Cleveland has its own LinkedIn page. We're using that. We're using word of mouth. We're using those public forums that we're reaching people. Uh, we're using documenters. Uh, the amazing thing about documenters is they'll walk around and say, I'm with Signal Cleveland very proudly. For people to say, oh, what's Signal Cleveland? And so with each story, with each interaction, we're trying to just increase that awareness. And we're hoping that as people share stories, then people say, hmm, who is Signal Ohio? Um, I want to check into Signal Akron. And we're hoping that through the stories that we raise that awareness as well as word of mouth. Mm-hmm. But we're using every other medium you can imagine. We're using Instagram. We do some Facebook. Uh, we are using, we're tweeting. Um, we use the videos. I said the library hours. We use the public forums the, and the comics. We're doing well, everything.
1: Because the one way to get information out about an organization is through the newspapers. And chances are pretty good they're probably not going to give you great coverage. You know, what's interesting. <laughs> yes. Some are
2: giving us coverage. Okay. And some are not. Yes. Um, And it's interesting. Some who think of it in terms of the greater good, Mm -hmm. some of them who think that we want an electorate, we want a community that is informed and can make good decisions. They are sharing it because they realize there's a wave and it's coming um, one of my favorite books which is not you know the most substantive book you'll ever read is who moved my cheese oh and so oh, what absolutely. you so what you have is yeah. some people who realize the cheese has moved mm-hmm. and you can either be part of the ecosystem and we can partner and work together and make sure that people are getting good news and information or you can sit there and wait and say I'm gonna wait till my cheese comes back and good luck
1: yeah. Grab right. hold and hold on. Hold tight. on tight. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Well, as you move and expand into other areas of Ohio, as you mentioned, how does that literally happen? I mean, you know, you're looking at Columbus. Let's just say it's Columbus. And I mean, what's the SOP? I mean, how how are you going about figuring that out?
2: I can unfortunately say there's no SOP. Okay. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Making it up as you go, but it's working. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's okay.
2: You have to be really fluid. Uh, So, what I will tell you is to your point about publication. Um, So I was Cincinnati City Solicitor. Cincinnati City Solicitor first picked up the story about Signal Cleveland and what was happening in nonprofit Mm. news. Then they picked up the story because I was city solicitor that I became CEO. As a result, I had some outreach from folks who said, we want to bring nonprofit news to Cincinnati. Well, since I had relationships and friends from my days in Cincinnati, I started making trips and calls Mm -hmm. to Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Immediately, the response was amazing. Met with Scripps and Scripps said, we're in Mm-hmm. You could, I mean, so yeah. that's that people recognizing there's it. a need and let's fix it. Mm-hmm. And so they're just got huge momentum and energy in Cincinnati. So we will be actually launching documentaries in Cincinnati um, Q1 of 2024. Yeah. We've already raised the funds to do so. And so what I began is a process of doing a couple of things. One, informing, like raising that awareness. Um, are people interested? And if you're interested, can we start raising some dollars to make this happen? And telling people what is required to make it happen because it does doesn't happen magically, And unfortunately, in each community, we have to go to those philanthropic entities and major givers and individuals to raise the dollars to launch the newsroom mm-hmm. uh, because sustainability is extremely important. So I can't just do it and say I'll raise enough for one year. I got to make sure I can at least be good for two years or ideally three years. Um, so we try to begin to raise those dollars, raise the awareness. We create a steering committee, which is folks who are in the community who care about this issue, um, but it's a Diverse group. So it's everybody who's from the business community, from um, grassroots community, young, old, uh, all the demographics you can think of. And we put together a steering committee who's also focused on helping us launch this newsroom. And then collectively, we go out, we raise the awareness, we raise the dollars. Once we have that, then I begin the search for an editor-in-chief. I begin the search for the space.
0: And then we we begin the process of hiring to fill the slots. Now I can imagine the, the uh, recruiting is I'm not going to say it's easy, but it can't be extremely hard. There are a lot of journalists out there. There are a lot that of journalists are hungry out there. to cover some stories.
2: There are a lot of journalists out there. Yeah. Um it's been interesting, um, and I think that it depends on the particular
0: market. Yeah. Um, so right. I think that has uh, depending on what happened with the local media there yes. and who's on yes. who's on the beach at the point. In time. Correct. Yeah.
2: Correct. And have people moved on? Because mm-hmm. you have a number of journalists who walked away and said. I'm going to do sales or I'm going to be a comms person. Mm -hmm. And so um, you have that aspect. But I will say, you know, Cleveland was a ripe market. Um, You had a number of people displaced from the plain dealer. Mm -hmm. And that also becomes a factor. Have there been people who are displaced or who are disengaged or or disgruntled Mm -hmm. um, with their paper? And so recruiting is not that challenging. Um, It's a lot of work, though. And so when I recruit and I hire anybody, whether from my team or for a newsroom, this is a different animal. Um, it is not slow, it is fast paced, it is demanding, it's a startup. Um, you got to be flexible because we might have to change something on a dime. And so that takes a number of skill sets aside from just journalism. Mm-hmm. And so when we're assessing we're looking at all of those things. All right.
1: All right. Yeah. What what's the plan after that 3 years of funding? Have you do you have that in your head, what what are the next steps?
2: So after the three years of funding, um, we try to identify major givers, individual givers and in membership um, and sales and ads. Um, so you have at that point a diversified revenue stream that is not solely based upon one thing um, but hopefully the combination it, and you hope to have some giving so mm-hmm. you help, hope to have some philanthropic giving as you go along but it doesn't need to be the majority of it and your hope is that your ads will help you um, you're putting ads on the website in our newsletters that you'll have individuals who say I want to keep you around mm-hmm. and then you have major givers who care about journalism and civic engagement
1: it's much better to have 10 people giving you a dollar than one person giving you ten because now you've got ten readers. Correct.
2: Yeah. yeah. Correct. And and as you can as you articulate it, the goal is as we expand our readership, then we expand our membership and the people who want to make sure that we are sustainable.
0: Right. I think you're at mm-hmm. the begin well, not even at the beginning of the wave of that community support of journalism. Right. That people are willing to give five bucks a month or whatever it might be because they see you doing the right thing and they can do the five dollars. Correct. It's a cup of coffee. Correct. Ultimately I, I know of a handful of podcasts that do not accept advertising dollars. It's all money t- per right. episode. That you know, and then she right. has a different level. It's a, right. a, a, a podcast called Congre- Congressional Dish, and this thing could be like two hours long. But she. Loves covering Congress. Okay, she loves it, and, okay. and she goes into it. I mean, she researches it out, and she has a following like you wouldn't believe. But it. it's these levels, it's of, these levels, yeah, of, of giving. support of giving that they go back and support an old episode, possibly. because oh, – wow. You know, so she okay. has these different levels, and she also has a green room. Okay, you know, set up that way too. But this is her life. Oh wow! And she accepts no advertising. Okay because she doesn't want any advertiser influence right. on what they do. Right. So I see where a, a good combination of what you're yes. talking about makes perfect sense. And we try to it be does. very
2: clear with our advertising yeah. that it has no editorial impact. You have mm. no ability to persuade.
0: You're supporting a movement. Yes. You are. <laughs> Basically. Yeah.
2: And But, but I want to say also that um, we try to say, as I, I think I said in the beginning, this is more than just journalism. Because if we do this right, the impact is so much broader. It's a, a community impact. It's a civic engagement impact. And so it's not just about the journalism, because not everybody gets the connection of the dots. Mm-hmm. But it's about the community and the civic engagement, and then the journalism as a as a partner in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it is so important, and it's important to have that diversified revenue stream. Anybody in business will tell oh, you yeah. you got to have a diversified yeah, revenue yeah. stream. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. As a lawyer, you don't want to rely on one client, because if that client walks, you're yes. in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so yes, that is. And the other thing is, we're a nonprofit, so we're a five hundred one c three. And as you can imagine, this is giving time at the end of the year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yes. There you go. Yes, Yes.
0: exactly. So now we always ask our guests if they have any last words of wisdom as we close out the show. Um, Anything you want to add? I mean, do you have any other suggestions or advice to our listeners today?
2: Yes, I would. Uh, I would say first, um, you know, my father used to tell me, uh, you're either part of the problem and you're part of the solution. And we no longer can stand back and wait for somebody else to do it for us. We have to do it ourselves. Um, And. The reason I took this job, and Brett, you probably heard me say this, is I thought if I could change the trajectory of the state of Ohio, then we can change the trajectory of this country. Mm -hmm. We can go in a different direction. We can focus on the things that are important, but we can focus on truth. And as a lawyer, you know, it's all about the facts and the truth. Doesn't mean we don't, you know, manipulate it a little bit sometimes in court, but it is so important to focus on the facts, the information and the truth, because that's what frees us. And information is power. And so if we take that back, then we take our country back. We take our state back and then we take control of our lives. Right. So what I would say is uh, be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Find your way to contribute, whatever that is, because then you're part of making
1: the difference. Yeah. Wonderful. Rita, thank you. This thank has you. been phenomenal, and and we hope you'll come back and visit us. again. I absolutely
2: will if you'll have me. Absolutely,
1: mm-hmm. and and let us be part of the coming to Columbus. I will solution. That would be that would be wonderful. We, I'm excited. Well, thank you. I'm excited. So, thank you. Uh, thank you again to Rita McNeil Danish the chief executive officer of Signal Ohio, who is our expert on local journalism and local news coverage, who joined us today. Listeners, thank you for joining us and do not forget to check our show notes on the website for contact information and resources on Signal Ohio, as we've discussed today. You're going to find all that information on our website at lookingforwardourway.com. We're looking forward to hearing your feedback on this and any of our podcast episodes.